0: Let us now hear from the word of God in Acts 21, 27 through 36. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was stirred up and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another, and As he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed, crying out, Away with him. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let us go to God in prayer. O holy God, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Before Paul came to be arrested in Jerusalem, he was on his third missionary journey. And then he was there in Corinth that he had made the decision to return back with an offering for the poor Jewish Christians, to return there with this gift, to return with other Gentile Christians from the churches in Asia and Europe, to unify the church and to bring them together. But it was there in Corinth before Paul would begin this journey before Paul would suffer and be imprisoned, that he wrote these words in Romans eight twenty-eight. He said, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Paul writes these letters to the Roman church. And then he begins his journey to Jerusalem where he is told by the Holy Spirit he will suffer afflictions and imprisonment. Where he is confronted by friends and acquaintances and the faith not to go. Where he is prophesied to that he will be bound by his hands and his feet and taken from the Jews and given over to the Gentiles for his arrest. And it should be of no surprise to any of us But that is exactly what happens in the scripture we read this morning. Paul was arrested. He'd spent some time in Jerusalem upon his arrival, enough seven days for him to complete a Nazarite vow. And he was there for the time of Pentecost, the celebration, the festival of the weeks which comes 50 days after Passover, which is the festival that celebrates the first fruits of the wheat harvest. But it was also a festival at Pentecost, meaning 50 days. 50 days after Passover is when the Jewish people celebrated that Moses got the law. And so Josephus, a historian during that time, notes that Jerusalem would fill during these festivals with about 2 million people from all over. And here, two million people in the city, and Paul arrives with other Gentile Christians with money. He does a Nazarite vow, and there he is in the synagogue. And we see mob mentality take over. Men of Israel, help! This man is teaching everyone everywhere against the people. There's a claim he was anti Semitic. Paul, Jewish Christian. There's a claim that he was teaching against the law there in the festival in which they're celebrating the law that they received by way of Moses. There could be no such bigger blasphemy other than they said he also taught against God. And in this part of scripture, where Paul is arrested, where Paul is known for his words, Paul speaks none. There's no cries out from Paul. There's no attempts to run and save his own life. Paul was what appears to us surrounded by an uncontrollable situation where chaos was the rule. But we remember Paul's words, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. God demonstrates his power in this moment. For Paul had been drugged out of the temple, two million people around, violently beating and ready to stone him to death. And then the tribune of the cohort in Jerusalem saw the confusion, the hysteria. The mob mentality going on in Jerusalem and brought soldiers and centurions, which commanded a thousand men in their armies each. And when they had arrived, the people stopped beating on Paul, the scripture tells us. God used the Roman soldiers to save the life of Paul as he was being beat. And it's in, from this moment forward where Paul is arrested to the end of Acts that he is no longer a free man. But he is a prisoner. Up until now, he's been able to go wherever he wants, whenever he wants, and do what he wants. Except for the small moment he was imprisoned in Philippi, Paul was a free man. But from here on out, from this Part in chapter 21 to the very end in Acts 28, Paul is a prisoner. It's during this time Paul does some of his greatest ministry. We will see in the coming weeks that Paul gives six defenses for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will see in the coming weeks that Paul also writes letters to these churches that he has already stopped by and visited. For example, he writes to the Ephesians and he says, For I am a prisoner, not of Rome, not of the people. I'm a prisoner for the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul did not see his imprisonment as something done to him by man, but to be used for the glory of the Lord. For Paul understood, in his weakness shines the strength of God. Now most of us in our lives may not be able to relate to Paul and him being arrested on unfounded charges. But we can relate to finding ourselves in circumstances in which we feel we are losing grip and control of the situation. Where it seems that the harder we squeeze onto the reins, the faster control oozes out of our fingertips. Where chaos is at rule. It could be because we have a boss who oversees us and asks us and expects us to do impossible things. Or we have an impossible co worker that we would rather avoid, but we are expected to work alongside. Or for some, it's being married to a spouse who does not understand our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, who constantly reminds us the amount of time we spend at church and with our fellow Christians with doing things out of Christian love. We find those circumstances where we feel out of control raising small children, where each day is more about surviving than any kind of order or planning. We find ourselves in circumstances where mounds of debt face in front of us where The situation seems hopeless and we are utterly helpless to have any kind of control to get our way out. For others, they find the uncontrollable circumstance of the volatility of the markets, the confusion and the anxiousness that goes around with coming to the decision, am I going to be able to retire or am I going to be able to stay retired? Maybe it's that you've raised a child who has turned away from Christ, and the harder you've pressed, the further away it seems they've gone, that it's come to the realization that we have no real ability to change their hearts, but it's something only God can. Or it's a circumstance surrounding our health. Serious condition has befallen us or a loved one, where we no longer have the expertise or the control, and where we turn to medical experts who are doing their best to understand it themselves, but it's turned our life sideways. These are the moments where we can find ourselves in a state of being out of control, where chaos is the rule, much like at Paul's arrest. Some of us face one of these, many of us more than them. And it feels as though the harder we hold on, quicker it seems to be slipping out of our hands. We're losing control and don't know what to do. So we work harder, we try harder. But what Paul does is he lets it all go. He lets it all go to God. For he knew this was the will of God. He didn't know exactly how it would occur. The amount of violence and suffering he would be attacked with or the vicious lies that would slander his name in Jerusalem. But Paul lets it all go. See, we Christians, we like the idea. We fancy the idea of living for Christ. However, we wanted to do it in as control of an environment as possible with little to no surprises and trials that are light and easy. Yet scripture doesn't promise us light and easy. Scripture doesn't promise us a life without surprises, twists, and turns. And God never tells us we are in control of our own destiny. Rather, the Lord Jesus Christ reminds us that we will suffer for his namesake. We're also told in John 15, that though we may be producing good fruit, that we may be doing good things for the Lord and for his glory, we still may be pruned, cut, cut back, chopped off parts so that new growth may occur where better and more fruit may abound. And it's painful to experience. Painful to go through. And yet Paul still writes, we know that God works all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. God is never out of control. He sits on the throne. And God uses these difficulties we face to mold us, to sanctify us. And what we see in Paul isn't a resistance to save himself, but we see complete submission, utter humility to the will of God. That he doesn't attempt to make This go away by himself, for he knew it was coming, he fully relies on God. And throughout history, we even see it in Scripture, the ability to fully trust in God with everything in our lives often does not incur until we reach a point where we believe we absolutely have no way to solve it ourselves. that oftentimes our turn to God and trust in him is only after we have exhausted all of our own abilities. And it's in those times when we realize how out of control we are, how much chaos is swirling around us, that God wants us to learn that it is when we are weak He is strong. It's the very truth we teach our kids from the moment they're in the cradle. We sing it as lullabies. We sing it as a day song. Oftentimes, for Christians, it's one of the first songs our kids learn. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthians, these words, so to keep me from becoming conceited, Paul apparently has an ego problem. So to keep me from being becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And we recall Paul's letters and all the boasting he did in himself. Going around telling other Christians that he is the chief among all sinners. That he is one of the worst orators to live on this earth that he is as surprised as any that anyone heard anything from the mumbling he called preaching. For in his weakness, God was strong. God was in control. Just because we find ourselves in a moment where we aren't in control, It seems chaos is at rule. It doesn't mean we aren't just where God wants us to be, nor does it mean that He can't use us right in the midst of it. But first, He wants us to let go of our own efforts, to release, so that we can be open to receiving Him his glory. So as we travel through the rest of Acts with Paul as a prisoner, he gives those six defenses. He doesn't give those defenses so that he could be set free and let go from imprisonment. He gives those defenses to give an account for the gospel so that others may be saved. See, in the midst of what we see as an out-of-control, chaotic situation. Paul was content. He was content because his hope was in Christ. His treasures were of things in heaven and not of this earth. And he knew with all certainty that God is the one who's in control of the circumstances of our lives. For he is on the throne. And he works all things together for the good for those who love him. And I ask that you remember that as we go through the rest of Acts and we see that our expectation of good and what God means as good are radically different sometimes. For the good he's working through Paul does not leave to Paul being freed from prison. But it leads to his execution. And yet Paul says his grace was sufficient for him. Amen.